The last thing that Mary saw in a very restrictive household and religion set in the past is the second of my Halloween films to discover. Stephanie Scott is Mary, who pines for the love of Eleanor, played by Isabel Furman. There's also a death with blame falling on Mary. This is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. I spoke to the film's director, Eduardo Vitaletti. Just right off the bat, the mythology of this, is this based yeah. on anything or is this something you came up with? It's a little bit of a, of a collage of uh, some some resources that I was uh, that I was researching and reading about a lot of um, unofficial kind of Christian slash pagan literature uh, mixed with a little bit of Greek mythology, which I've always been, um, uh, if not a fan of, but like very, very passionate about. Um, and so uh, it all kind of fueled like the story informed it and it informed the story. And so the this little book that kind of keeps coming in and out of the story uh, did a little bit of that. So um, there are snippets of things that you may find in the, yeah, in some uh, mythological texts. Yeah. There is more about the last thing that Mary saw in a moment. What I also liked is the fact that it's told in flashback. You could have gone, yeah. you know, in a, a regular timeline, but it actually, as a viewer, you're kind of you're you're kind of more involved because you want to know. You yeah. see her sitting there with the bandage, and that's not a secret because it's on the poster and everything. Right, right, right. And you want to know what's going on, and then the yeah. story is slowly peeled as the onion, they say, and you get to see what what's happening and what at the end. Um, yeah. I like that aspect. Was that always the way you wanted to tell it, or was there uh, did the drafts change a little bit? No, it was always how I wanted to tell it. I think in the edit, we actually uh, made certain sections of the movie more linear than they were on the written page. Uh, but the 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 lens of the flashback was always a very important one because I wanted Mary to be the one who's telling the story. I want her. I wanted her to be the storyteller um, after she has gone through it. I think that adds a certain level of emotional attachment and gravity. And sort of gravitas almost to the story that I wanted to keep because that's it's not just these events unfolding; it's her talking about them from a place of you know, like you said, being bandaged, being clearly hurt, uh, or in a place of physical, if not emotional, distress. So uh, it was always very important to me. First of all, it's really a love story more than anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Finding the two ladies, Isabel, Stephanie Scott. Yeah. Finding the two ladies, what was that like to find? Because they're perfect in their roles. Yeah, they are extraordinary um, actors and people. I We began working with, uh, with Stephanie uh, because, you know, of course, she's the main character. And so we reached out to her. I've always liked uh, her as an actor. I think in recent years, she had been making some very interesting movies. And I thought, you know, she could fit the part well. So we reached out. She was curious about the, the movie and the project and whatnot. And she, um, she took it on. Uh, I really liked talking to her about it. And like, we felt like we connected and Isabel came in right after her. And I think for her, it was, you know, a combination of yes, being very curious about the film and interested in the project. We had a great conversation and also she and, and Stephanie had known each other for a number of years up, up to that point. They've been friends. They've kind of been around similar. I think they shot, 
one or two things together, even though like not prominently as two uh, co-stars. But um, so, yeah, they had they uh, I know that Isabel really wanted to work with Stephanie and they wanted to collaborate on something. And so this gave them a chance to do so. And with that, I mean, I think the great luck that I ran into with that was, you know, you had to people who already know each other and in the story where they are each other's allies and also the only kind of the only place where they can go, you know, who they are that for one another, um, having two actors who, who have known each other, who are friends, who already have that little bit of built-in chemistry um, helps, you know, makes the directing process much easier. So I think that was a big part of it. And I was very grateful for it. And getting Judith Roberts, uh, she was fantastic. She's awesome. She's and, so awesome. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of trivia. She is the, uh, I guess, the widow of Pernell Roberts, who was, of course, yeah. on Bonanza and Trapper yeah, John. Yeah. They even, even worked together on Trapper John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finding her, how did you uh, come across her? Uh, she was, uh, we had a list of people that we were looking at for the role of the matriarch. And um, uh, Judith Robert, like, I was, I was familiar with her because of her uh, somewhat small role in Eraserhead back in the 70s. Yes. And I hadn't necessarily seen her more recent work. But then I, I got a chance to see some clips and I was just so, I mean, she has such a presence. It was this movie and her role, it, it is so much about the unspoken like uh, presence that everybody's so referential to and towards. And when she stepped on set, you know, most of our actors were from New York and she has a, a long history in the New York theater as well. So everybody was just kind of excited and very referential as well in her regards, which once again, it helped building their characters because they are behaving like that towards the matriarch. So um, it's just, you just got to point a camera and she will steal the shot. And, and she was terrific. She was, she certainly was. Another great actor I'd be remiss in not mentioning is Rory Culkin's part and yeah. the intruder. Yeah. I mean, he was just absolutely terrific. And, mm -hmm. and the funny thing is kind of like the, the women are, are misfits in the sense of that society. So is he. And that's what yeah. they actually have in common, which is interesting. But talk about his performance and, and just he's not in the film a long time, but boy, he makes an impression. He's, he's awesome. I mean, he was not in the film. He's in like about 25 overall, 30 minutes of the film. And he did actually come into on set uh, for the last two days. So it was like his his uh, his making it into the film set was like really kind of mirror how he uh, he enters the story a little bit as far as when and how much time he spends on it. But he's awesome. And uh, he carries, he's one of those, the few characters that puts their trauma and their misfitness and uh, on the table by talking about it. And he does something despicable. And I think he kind of spends his days doing despicable things, but yeah, he and I were always working on trying to make this as three dimensional as possible. And I think seeing his collaboration with Isabel was very interesting, of course, because they are the two characters that really kind of um, have to confront each other. Um, yeah. He assaults her and, uh, you know, and whatnot. Um, but, but their collaboration was like, yeah, they could relate on the fact that, you know, even Mary has something like that, that, that Roy's character doesn't have because Mary is ultimately an actual part of this family. Eleanor is the maid that does come from the outside. That's right. And Roy's character also comes from the outside. So putting them together in that scene felt right. 
And I think the thing that I was trying to say with it, I guess, was, you know, even in this house, in this world, in this story, even the two people who have something in common, they just always end up hurting each other because people may talk, but they don't know how to communicate uh, inside this house. And uh, so, yeah, he really enjoyed that. And he delivered a, a stunning performance. I mean, my editor and I just didn't know which uh, which takes to pick because it was they're all just like kind of interesting in one way or another. So he's awesome and he's an awesome guy. You wrote this as well. Describe that process, how the story came together. You said you mixed different legends together a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that the first mm-hmm. thing you did or did you kind of concentrate on the general plot first, especially involving the two young ladies? I think it was kind of a mixture of uh, some of those um uh, literary inspiration matched with a lot of painterly inspiration from the time period. And me, uh, you know, I grew up in a very, uh, in a very Catholic uh, town environment. I'm from Italy. I have a wonderful family who's not, not strict at all, but like the schools and the culture around it, it's like, you know, kind of, it brings you down a little bit. And so that that's been brewing up in my opinion for like 25, 26 years. <laughs> so, so um, it was, it, everything kind of happened at the same time. I think this was one of the few cases so far, the things that I've written where it kind of writes itself a little bit. The literary and visual rabbit holes were beautiful and helped a lot with the the kind of uh, frame of the story. But yeah, the love story was all about me trying to expose some of the frustrations that I've been feeling towards my religious upbringing. You know, you mentioned that, and it's really true that a lot of their, I guess because of the repression, a lot of their communication and their love for each other is really nonverbal. And for that, you need two good actors to pull that off. Yeah. Uh, was that something you discussed with them to kind of keep their, their, you know, well, you wrote it, so you keep the dialogue to a minimum and just have them with their eyes the way they look at each other? There was always the intention, and that was always something that they were excited to do. Uh, because I think as actors, I mean, when I think of, my experience of love is love is unsaid, is unspoken, and, and, and it's powerful because of that. And so we all agree that that's the type of experience we wanted to portray. And as actors, they don't necessarily get a lot of scripts that purposefully take the word away from the page. Um, so we talked about it and it wasn't, we weren't quite afraid of it. You know, like words give you a, like a nice anchor, but as soon as, if you start right off the bat saying you're just not going to have that, then you build a level of resourcefulness that I, as a director, was very excited to learn. Them as actors were kind of excited to explore because, I mean, they have done it in the past. And um, I was looking for actors who could do that. And I saw some of their performances, you know, just very quiet and very, like, evocative in how they were communicating. So, um, yeah, it turned out to be really fun. Religion plays a big part in the movie. And actually, to me, it, it and it creates almost a suffocating effect uh, to it, yeah. where there wasn't really, I guess they weren't very tolerant in those days, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so with the, I mean, with the two young women, I mean, it was, I, you, 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 you feel for them because of what they're going through and what they want to express with each other and they can't. I, I appreciated that part of the story very much. Talk about that conflict between the religious kind of, you know, structure and what their love story and and how that kind of came together for you. 
my my opinion has always been that people who um, end up trying to enforce certain rules on uh, who you are and what you're supposed to to be doing, who you're supposed to love, in spite of what you really want, it's like they are essentially exposing their own insecurities. And so, for me, the conflict was always coming from a place of these two lead characters who are not questioning what they want from each other because they know that they want to be with each other. They love each other. And this family who is essentially kind of creating the problem to them fix it. Um, and, and which stems out of uh, the insecurity of a thing, hyper religiousness, which like you said, feels suffocating because it, it, it just is, it just, there would not be a problem if it weren't for the fact that they are creating one. And I think it is a lot about their belief system and their core values being shattered. And I think as people, we tend to fight against that when uh, when a belief system that we so staunchly believed in our whole life comes crumbling down. Yeah. Uh, but it does come from a place of insecurity. And for me, that was the source of the conflict. Like this, these two leads are, they never have a moment where they say like, okay, maybe we should just let this go. I, I never wanted them to have that moment. Um, I wanted the family to just kind of, uh, be ultimately weaker than them. And I think the weaker antagonist always tries to bring violence into the picture because that's the only way that they can compensate. So, um, yeah, those are some of the things that I was uh, exploring. I was trying to explore. You know, this is a period piece. What I like is the lighting. It seems like yeah. you kept it to a minimum. Is that something you wanted to do to, to make it look as natural as possible and not bring mm -hmm. in too many modern lights into it? Yeah, very much. My cinematographer and I, um, David Kruda, he, he, he and I, we just, we were being respectful uh, of, uh, of the time period, not for respect's sake, but because part of enjoying, I think, a time period is feeling like you are physically like transported in it for a little bit. And there are three things that do it, um, the costumes, the accent, and the lighting. And for us, it was how would someone be able to see anything that's happening in the house after like 6 PM, they would need candles and candles was the only thing that they had. Cause that was before uh, matches were um, actually widely used. And, and, and so we just kept it simple because the story was telling us to keep it simple in the lighting and in the shooting style. A lot of our inspirations and visual references were painterly. And so a very kind of calm and uh, strict almost rigorous visual style, like uh, pretty much always on sticks was, uh, was what the story was telling us to do. So uh, he actually, you know, it made it easier for us because when you're not seeing so much, you know, you can really focus on what you're seeing. It can be very purposeful. Stay tuned. There's more with Eduardo Vitaletti talking about the last thing that Mary saw. There's a few special effects, but really not a lot. I, I couldn't tell if there's any yeah. digital effects used at all. That's um, good. <laughs> but if, if there was, if, was there, I guess, is my question. Uh, yeah, actually more than um, a movie of this length and this size would generally allow <laughs> uh, a lot, actually quite a few, relatively speaking. So um, I worked with a couple different uh, visual effects uh, professionals and artists, and they were awesome. Yeah, I mean... Um, some of it is very practical, like, you know, you pick the, the period appropriate house, but hey, there is a thermostat in the corner. So you do have to take that out sometimes. And I, and I don't mind talking about that because I think it's the beauty of making a movie like this. You know, you're always reminded of what's real and what's not. And so you got to try to kind of lock yourself into a bubble. 
Um, and the visual effects did that a lot. That was mostly where we, um, how we used them. And uh, yeah, I'm rewatching the movie. I, I forget where they, uh, where they are, which is the sign of a good visual effects. You should not be able to notice it. So um, I was once again, super lucky to work with such talented uh, artists. Where did you find that house? That house is pretty cool. It's on Long Island. It, <laughs> I won't say where, because I'm assuming the owner doesn't want me to say where it is. Probably. Um, but it is somewhere on Long Island. And uh, it was a long search. Uh, it was a long search. And actually, we found the right one, I think. I don't think more than like a couple weeks before the shoot. The thing about New York State, when you're looking for a period appropriate house, I mean, New York State changed so drastically. It's been industri- yeah. in, in, in industrialized and there is a lot of money that is uh, thankfully poured into things like historical societies and houses. So when you find the right one is a museum and you can't really touch it. So right. we found this beautiful little gem um, uh, that was period appropriate and we had to make some changes um part of the structure was a little too modern so we had to kind of make sure to frame that out but um it it was it was a painful search and that came out kind of out of nowhere it was like the film gods kind of looked down upon us a little bit so you've done shorts so this is really your first full-length feature how was that transition for you strange and natural at the same time. Like the shorts that I did were always generally in the context of, you know, school projects. I actually developed, I started to develop this movie when I was still completing my, uh, my college education at NYU. Um, it, it, it's, it's natural in the sense that you're kind of always trying to tell a story. You're just telling a longer one. Uh, it's strange in that, you know, there's a little bit of a bigger machination that, that goes into it. There is actors who have experience and there is a lot of people involved and, when you're directing a short, you're generally handling 20 to 30 people. You're, you direct a feature and it becomes like you're the mayor of this little town where uh, one of the mayors of the little town, because there's producers and cinematographers and whatnot. But, and, you know, there's always kind of a fire almost about to start. So you got to be present for everything. Um, it's just bigger, but I think the narrative challenges stay the same. There's a moment where that kind of triggers a whole bunch of other moments. So yeah. I would think, if anything, in a, a short, you kind of have to get to it quicker. But yeah. this, this way you were able to kind of space it out and, and to get the timing right. And I would think that's a challenge in itself. Yeah, I think the, the biggest difference is when you're actually in the um, – it's when you're editing the picture. Um, my editor, when we started, you know, I was very excited and everything. It was like, look, everything becomes to get – tricky and really close to impossible when you're past like 25 minutes, you know, if you're starting, it it becomes a bigger building and it's got (laughs) to hold up. I think the edit is drastically different. Uh, The size does make a big difference as far as that part of the process. So um, yeah, it's like you said, you got to get to things quicker, but you also, you have more to explain a bigger world to, to um, unfold and whatnot. So, yeah. And lastly, what's it like to be on shutter? I mean, they've had, I've talked to some people that have made some pretty cool films there. Yeah, they're awesome. I mean, they're the best at what they do. And when we we had a few people approaching us wanting to um, distribute the film, and as soon as Shutter knocked on the door, I knew that we had found the right people because they are, you know, the the kind of spectrum of genre of films that they have on their platforms. They go from slashers to more thoughtful to somber. To, and I just knew that I, we were going to be in the right hands. And they are huge fans of the movie, and I couldn't be happier to to be seen by so many people, you know, that's, that's the great part about being on a, 
on a TV. Everybody can watch you if they if if they just turn it on. So uh, I'm super excited. It's a must see. The last thing that Mary saw. Very talented filmmaker right here. Roger. Thank you. I'm going to see if I can do this right. Vita Letty. Yeah, that's quite that's quite <laughs> correct, sir. <laughs> thank you so much. I appreciate it. And thank you. All right, take care. The last thing that Mary saw is on Shutter, which is by subscription. To rent or buy, you can go to Amazon, Voodoo, or YouTube. And don't forget, Sci-Fi Talk Plus. You can click on the show notes for a free lifetime subscription offer. Yes, it is free, and there's no catches. This is Tony Tolato.